What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. This is Jordan Love, and you're listening to Roster Watch. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, I am Cody Carpentier, and this is your top 10 thoughts from week one of the NFL season. Over the course of the next 20 to 30 minutes, I'll be breaking down those 10 thoughts and what they mean going into week number two of the NFL season. I'm excited. I think that there's a lot to take away from here. There are a lot of players that did things that we didn't expect them to do. There's a lot of players that did exactly what we expected them to do. <clears throat> Hayden Hurst, Roshan Johnson, even Tyja Spears, even though it did not show up directly on the stat sheet. We're going to dive into all those things, and we're going to do that right now. So if you could do me a favor, and please click that like button. Click subscribe here on YouTube. We're trying to build this channel up and up and up. On Sundays, we got the start sit show on Sunday mornings. We had the waiver wires earlier today. This top 10 thoughts show will be featured every single week on the Roster Watch YouTube channel and podcast. Rate of five stars if you are on Spotify. Otherwise, sit tight, buckle in, and get ready. First and foremost, I'm going to preface this with saying the show will be on Mondays going forward. It's on Tuesday today because it's week one and my schedule is fantastic. But I got through all 16 games, rewatched all 16 games, took notes on all 16 games, and I have a couple of stats to get through with you. If you are in the comments, I appreciate you. Matt Cassidy, how we doing? How we doing? First and foremost, I want to talk about Tyja Spears. He is who we thought he was. I loved what I saw from Tyja Spears in Tennessee. They used him all over the formation. They had him in the backfield a bunch. They also had him out wide a bunch. I talked about the idea of him playing with Derrick Henry in the backfield together after the Tennessee Tennessee and Minnesota training camp. And we saw that in week one, but we saw it in the inverse where it was Derrick Henry taking the snap and Tyja Spears as the lead blocker, which was an interesting dynamic. But I think you're only going to continue to see that. Tyja Spears is a guy that is on the roster watch waiver wire cheat sheet. Tyja Spears is a guy you should not be dropping right now. When you look at the third downs, um, ones that I charted, I had him for, again, now I was, I did not hit on every single third down, but the majority I hit. I had him for eight third down opportunities, Julius Chestnut for three. So that's out of the, that's 11 of the third down opportunities. I think I missed a couple of them, but the, the point is that Spears was in on eight of the opportunities, at least, um, as a third down back in this offense out of 12. 
He earned the number three overall elusive grade from week one at PFF, which means he was the third most elusive ball carrier on the day at the running back position. His alignments, I had him in the gun as the single back, out wide as the wide receiver. Of course, like I mentioned, in pistol with Derrick Henry as the quarterback and lined up as the single back. Each of those things he did more than a half dozen times outside of the pistol. Tyjus Spears' importance to this offense is beyond apparent after just the first quarter, lining up you know, in all those situations. Um, I think what he brings to the table is that burst and that dynamism. We didn't exactly see it in week one on the stat sheet, but when you go back through, that's one of the things that I really took away was how important Tyjus Spears is to Tennessee and, and, and Tennessee um, you know, almost pulling this game out that there was an opportunity for them to pull this game out. Of course, Nick Fulton goes down and kicks a game-winning field goal with two minutes left. And um, when push comes to shove, New Orleans just has more talent around them than um, than Tennessee does. And and T- Grant Tannehill, you can't have three interceptions and win a football game. And the fact that they were only down 15-16 when the bell rang with three interceptions uh, should tell you where this Tennessee team is. I think it's Tennessee as a whole uh, – is a lot better than we expected them to be. The offensive line, I think, is better than we expected. We talked about them being one of the worst offensive lines in football. Well, here's the facts. Arden Key, Tierra Tart, Jeffrey Simmons, Harold Landry, they got a few things to say about that in practice, and that's only going to benefit that Tennessee Titans offensive line going against those dogs every single day. Arden Key, I'll just add this one in since we're talking about the Titans here. Arden Key, he's been on five teams in six seasons. This is going to be his career year. He hasn't had 10 sacks in the season. I think he gets close this year. Arden Key looks like he's got some juice. So we're going to go ahead and leave that at that. Number nine, the Los Angeles Chargers. This is a football team here. The Los Angeles Chargers is a football team. I know the Miami Dolphins won this game, but I think we can go ahead and, and agree that the uh, the Miami Tyreek Hills are going to go about as far as Tyreek Hill takes them. Tua is going to get you know some flex because he had 460 passing yards. But that does not obviously happen if Tyreek Hill is not in this football game. I don't think – I mean, you can just, just subtract the numbers, just subtract the 210 or the 220 or whatever the hell Tyreek ended with, and that puts Tua at 240 passing yards. And you can say, well, he's going to throw the ball more than that. If he wasn't playing, I still don't know if Tua hits 300 yards. Like That's how important Tyreek is to this offense. It's, it's, a, it's a very blatant, stupid comment on my end, but that's the facts. Tyreek Hill is this entire team. And I think if, if Tyreek Hill stays healthy um, for the entire season, he's going to hit his goal. His goal is 2,000 receiving yards in the season. Um, this Chargers offensive line, though, the point more so is, well, actually, the Tyreek Hill one was a, was a point I was going to make later. But the, the, the point of this is the Chargers beat the Miami Dolphins in seven out of ten simulations. They replay that game ten times. The Chargers win seven of them. This Chargers offensive line has taken a huge step forward. They look fantastic. I thought they 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 kind of put their will into the Miami Dolphins. They pushed against them. They leaned into them. And I didn't expect that. I expected this Miami this Miami front to kind of have something to say about it with Christian Wilkins, uh, Bob, um, oh shit, Bradley Chubb, and Jalen Phillips. I expected them to have something to say, and they and they really didn't have nothing to say for the Los Angeles Chargers. The Chargers offensive line looks great. Um, Jamari Salyer looked good playing right guard. Zion Johnson, another second-year guy playing left guard, looked awesome. And then, of course, left tackle Rashawn Slater took 
took that step forward that you were waiting for him to see after having, you know, an injury that he had to come through in his in early part of his career. This offensive line is coming all the way together. Trey Pipkins is kind of the the guy that's kind of on the on the edge, right? He's right tackle. They've been trying to fill that right tackle spot the last couple of years. Pipkins is holding it together. This Chargers offensive line. This Chargers team is going to score a lot of points this year. We'll just put it that way. Um, they should have won this football game, and I think they do win this game. Like I said, seven out of ten simulations. Number eight, Pittsburgh Steelers, New York Giants, and Cincinnati Bengals fans. What does Rogers say? R E L A X. We knew Dallas was going to be good. We knew San Francisco was going to be good. Not good. We knew they were going to be great. You don't have to be down because you're a Steelers fan, you're a Giants fan, you're a Bengals fan, and you lost. Things unravel quick, you know, turnovers happen, and things get away from you, and that's really what happened in a couple of those games. The Bengals game I thought was very interesting because it seemed like Burrow was not himself. He was not um, in a good space, either in his head or as far as the connections on the field. I know it was raining, but truthfully, truth be told, this Cleveland front seven was disgusting. Uh, They lined up Miles Garrett all over the formation, And if they can stay healthy, Cleveland's going to be interesting. Cleveland, I, I just penciled them in to be the bottom of the, the AFC North this year, but that was because we really didn't know what Deshaun Watson was going to bring to the table. But I think this running game with the duo of Ford and Chubb, which, and I, and I say Ford in being just that, is that Ford's going to have something to say. He was out there, no gloves on, playing just like Nick Chubb in this game. And they owned the line of scrimmage on both sides, which is surprising given what the Bengals' defensive line is with Sam Hubbard. I liked what I saw out of Cleveland, but I also like what I see out of Cincinnati in totality. Obviously, you had T. Higgins have eight targets, no receptions. I blame a lot of those on Joe Burrow. Didn't give him the right opportunities. Again, I'm just tying this all back to Joe Burrow with the Cincinnati game. I think the weather was it was just a terrible situation for him to come back after missing a bunch of practices and have this be the game where he's got a, a, a ferocious front that generally we didn't know was going to be this ferocious and just not, and just being a little bit rusty, and those those things add up. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh's going to be just fine. San Francisco's a gauntlet. Um, it's the same thing that you can talk about if you want to talk about the Rams beating Seattle. Michael Lombardi talked about this last week going in. He's like, you know, the Rams in week one, it's a trap spot because McVay's had all offseason to, to build for this plan. It's the same way with, with Shanahan, right? Shanahan had all, all offseason – he knew Purdy was his quarterback. He knew exactly what he wanted to do, and they went into Pittsburgh, and they did it. And, you know, we talked about Pittsburgh being war-ready. They were war-ready, and they got punched in the mouth, and that happens. And then the New York Giants going down 40 nothing. This is not a team This is not a team that's 40 points worse than the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys have a very, very, very good defense, but I don't see the Giants being – if they're 40 points worse than the Dallas Cowboys, the Giants are going to have the number one pick, and that's not going to happen. Uh, Wink Martindale is going to correct this defense. This offense is going to come around. You got to understand there's a lot of pieces in this offense that are uh, fresh. You know, Saquon's healthy again. Waller's brand new. Paris Campbell's brand new. Jalen Hyatt's brand new. He dropped the football. Wondell Robinson is just coming back, getting healthy. Sterling Shepard's just coming back, getting healthy. There's a lot of pieces on this offense um, that are coming back, getting healthy. The one thing I'm worried about with the New York Giants is Martin Lewinsky and Evan Neal. 
that was the worst duo. And again, I watched every game. I watched Minnesota. Minnesota's interior is garbage. The worst duo in football that I saw on the offensive line, and I hate even like to say talking negative about guys, but this is that was the worst duo I'd seen was right guard, right tackle for the New York Giants was a turnstile. And that's not what you want to see out of Evan Neal and Mark Lewinsky, especially Evan Neal because he's a top five pick. So those are things you can correct. I think the Giants are going to be just fine. I think Pittsburgh's going to be just fine. I think the Bengals are going to be just fine. So R-E-L-A-X to those fans. Number seven, Aiden Hutchinson. This one's going to be quick. Aiden Hutchinson's presence was felt on every single play on defense that the Detroit Lions had on Thursday night. And it's kind of the inverse, right? You saw Chris Jones got that contract immediately after that game ended, the one-year extension. He got it just yesterday. Was how important it is to have that disruptor on the defensive line. Aiden Hutchinson's that guy in Detroit. He took another step up in year number two. That's exactly what you want. But also, Ellen McNeil, the defensive tackle for the Lions, a guy that they talked about behind closed doors, him and Josh Paschal and Isaiah Bugs, guys that people don't even know their names. Uh, Bugs, of course, he went to Bama. But these are these three dudes in total, very underrated. Ali McNeil, uh, people remember the, the Dexter Lawrence step forward. Ellen McNeil is going to do that this year. He's the, he's taken a big step forward, and he gets the presence of playing um, inside of Aiden Hutchinson, so I'm looking forward to that. Another thing from the Combine this year, this is number six on the list. At the Combine, the 2023 NFL Combine, me and Alex were there asking questions, and basically a lot of these GMs said, we want multiple running backs. Who are we going to trust? We want multiple guys. We don't want to just lean on one guy. You saw that directly in week one. Seattle, formerly, they actually said that. Uh, Ken Walker, 17 opportunities, 67 yards. They drafted Zach Charbonnet, so they told us they wanted another guy, but Charbonnet didn't really get the opportunities in week one, which was interesting because Ken Walker again had the groin injury. Charbonnet had three opportunities for 11 yards. Detroit, Montgomery, 21 carries, no targets. Gibbs, nine opportunities in total, 60 yards, more efficient than Montgomery was. So I see a lot of people questioning uh, Gibbs on the timeline. Don't. Atlanta, both Tyler Algier and B. John Robinson finished as top eight running backs in fantasy football in week one. 16 opportunities for Algier, two touchdowns, 90 yards. Robinson, 16 opportunities, 80 yards and a touchdown. This is this is the new age of football. I can I can keep on going. Green Bay, Dylan, 16 opportunities. Jones, 13 opportunities. Chicago, 14 for Herbert, 12 for Johnson. Both guys were top 10 in fantasy. Um, you know, Herbert didn't score, so he would have been. But um, Denver. Javante Williams got 19 opportunities. P. Ryan, 12. The Jets, 16 for Cook, 12 for 12 for Brees Hall. The Chargers, Eckler had 21. Joshua Kelly had 17. Joshua Kelly is a big takeaway in himself. Um, we're not going to get we're not going to dive into him today, but Joshua Kelly uh, it was a breath, breath of fresh air to see somebody finally in this Los Angeles backfield take a step up, fill that role. They've been looking for it for the last three years, right? They spent the draft capital. And waiting and waiting. Was it going to be Josh Kelly? Was it going to be Isaiah Spiller? It was going to be Larry Roundtree. It didn't look like Josh Kelly. The door was about to close on him, and he kicked it down. He he worked. He he clearly worked his tail off all summer. Uh, watching this game, it was it was apparent that Kelly was six steps ahead of Isaiah Spiller because I didn't see Isaiah Spiller take a snap in this game. I didn't see him. Uh, do anything that was worth a damn in this game. So uh, I, I love how Kelly looks, and you can see the same thing across town. Kyron Williams. Kyron Williams has burst, and his vision's there. It is um, – Kyron Williams looks better than Cam Akers. We'll just leave it at that. Cam Akers looks fine. He looks good. But uh, for some reason, he can't find the hole 
or the wine's not blocking for him specifically. But it all looks – all the blocking scheme, all of it looks the same. But somehow Cam just doesn't hit the holes. Uh, Cam Akers, 22 carries, 29 yards. Kyron Williams, 17 opportunities, 54 yards, got two touchdowns. And New England, everyone wants to just crown Stevenson even because Stevenson had the six receptions on six targets. Zeke Elliott did have 14 opportunities for 43 yards. And Zeke does look like he cut the 10, 15 pounds that was reported this weekend. Very interesting dynamic. I think that Zeke is going to continue to get a role in this offense. Number five. Before I jump into number five, if you are watching along, thank you. I appreciate you. I see the comments all along. I'll answer a couple of them here. Uh, Christian Kirk or Nakua Gainwell, Tyler Algier. Snags, I'm going to need a little more information. Is the PPR, half PPR? Are you cutting somebody, dropping somebody, trading for somebody? What's the question? If you could rephrase, please. Heat for life, would you trade Garrett Wilson for T. Higgins? The answer is hell to the no. Applied literature. Cody, we used to be doing something similar to Undercovered Ops. Uh, currently, no. Currently, this is my plan for my show for Monday, Tuesday. Um, I do have a couple of shows on other networks during the week, um, but currently I do not have one planned. Now, does that mean I won't do one at all? I'm thinking, I like in the back of my head, if I can plan it out right, and again, this has a lot to do with just the first two weeks getting unfolded, if I get through the first two weeks and I have the time in my the time in my schedule, I'd like to do something on Wednesday nights on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash executives for everybody listening. I'd like to do something on there uh, that's undercovered ops uh, centric because I've been asked this question more than a dozen times over the last two weeks. Uh, so thank you for the question. Jay Tech, he says, just got an offer for Bijan and Pittman. For Adams and Rojana Kamara, already have Higgins, Waddle, Godwin, Pittman, top four wide receivers, Pierce, Gibbs, and Bijan at running back 12-man PPR. Do I pull the trigger? No. You keep Bijan and you keep Pittman. Big Rugs, Superflex, half PPR. Would you trade away Chase and Gibbs to receive Tua and Montgomery? I would not. Oh, with A-Rod being out. Oh, that puts you in a tough spot. I would not. I would not. I would try to look elsewhere. Only have Richard Richardson. If that's Richardson, then good. I'm happy. You're fine. You're A1 steak sauce, even though it's super flex. I would try to, you know, I just pay attention, watch the waivers. Um, quarterbacks are, 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 you know, if you got to add a tune or something or a, uh, who's the other one? Have Brissett for insurance if you can if you can get him. Um, Tennessee, Malik Willis is going to start sooner than later. All right, uh, last one for a minute here. 12-2 PPR. The whole team's listed lost last week against uh, Dallas. Any trades, he says, after this team. Um, I like your team. Charbonnet Sutton, Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk's the only one that's kind of like a, eh, I'm kind of out on him. But it's it's a tough spot situation down there, just given on that. Applied, situ- applied literature, thank you. Appreciate you. See you there. All right, let's jump back in. The last five thoughts on my mind. Top ten thoughts, again, from rosterwatch.com. Please click that like button, click subscribe, and tap in every single week. Number five, as reported via your boy at the Carolina Panthers camp in August, LaVisca Chenault is going to have opportunities in a weird role. As terrible as it sounds because we've been doing this year after year after year, the role's going to be there. What's it going to look like? Well, this is what it looked like, friends. Backfield, he had eight snaps. In the slot, he had eight snaps. Out wide, he had nine snaps. Kick return, five. And punt return, he had six. LaVisca Chenault, again, did not end with a big stat line. Two carries for five yards. 
He had two targets, two receptions for 16 yards. But the point more so uh, with LaVisca Chenault was that they indeed tried to make him a focal point in the first quarter. So they told us exactly what I thought and what I heard from the people that I talked to, the reporters down there in Carolina. That is, the first quarter was, where's LaVisca Chenault? He's in motion. Where's LaVisca Chenault? Okay, are we going to try to get the ball to LaVisca Chenault? We're blocking for LaVisca Chenault. It's going to be key. Like, he's good. This is, it was really weird. I didn't expect it. I knew the Hayden Hurst thing coming in. I knew the Miles Sanders thing coming in. We saw the deep balls to Mingo and, 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 and Marshall, which is exactly what we talked about. They're one-dimensional, two-dimensional guys that the offense has specific roles for them. So you're going to see them get these big air yards. It's just all going to depend if they can get the ball or not. LaVisca Chenault, I don't know. That's the big takeaway. I don't know. We saw it. They showed it to us. They said, hey, here's what it looks like. Backfield slot wide, kick return, punt and return. Everything's there. But we got two carries and two targets out of the whole ordeal. I'm going to keep my eye on LaVisca Chanel. Probably going to talk about him every single week. Takeaway number four, we talked about this one a minute ago. I kind of I kind of cut to the chase on this one before with the Chargers. If Tua Tungavaloa and Tyreek Hill stay healthy for 15-plus games, Tyreek Hill will hit his goal that he set before the season of being the first ever wide receiver in the NFL with 2,000 receiving yards. His route running is just it, – it's obnoxious. It's wild to me. It doesn't make any sense. It's not its not what you would want or expect. It's not the digs. It's not the Jefferson type route running. It's not the Addison type route running. He rounds every route off. Everything's rounded. But the speed and the acceleration he uses in those bends continues to be like otherworldly, unguardable. We're never going to get another guy like him. Like literally the, what I wrote down was you're never going to see another player like him with the, the speed and the burst he has in those breaks, that not actually breaks, they're just bends in the routes, until people replace ligaments with rubber. Like, it doesn't make sense, and, and I don't think you're ever going to see anything like it. Like, there's guys like Travis Hunter, you know, that are dynamic, and they can do all these things, and there's guys like Zay Flowers, and there's, you know, the Tyreek, the Tariq, Tariq Cohens of the world. We'll bring him up because he got to work out with the Panthers today. But there's guys like that that are like the human joysticks, whatever, right? But there ain't going to be no Tyreek Hills ever again. Number three, Indianapolis Colts had Jacksonville all but beat in this game. With 11 minutes left, they were up four, and they punted the ball, and that ball was about to be pinned inside the five. They had three, three cover guys within five yards of Jamal Agnew. One of them got bumped. Another one turned his back to Jamal Agnew, and that ball bounced on about the nine. And if I, I'm about 113% sure if that gunner does not turn his back to Jamal Agnew and he watches that football hit the ground, Jamal Agnew does not pick that football up. And we're talking about a potential Jacksonville Jaguars loss instead of a win in Indianapolis. They, Jamal Agnew picked up that football on the four-yard line and returned it all the way to the opposing 46. Jacksonville scored six plays later. Indianapolis got the football back through a pick. Jacksonville scored two plays later. A complete shift in the game. Does that say more about Indianapolis or Jacksonville? We thought Jacksonville was going to be a, a, a game wrecker for most teams in the league this year, right? You bring up the Jacksonville schedule, Indianapolis, Kansas City, Houston, Atlanta, Buffalo. You thought that Kansas City game was going to be great. You thought that Buffalo game was going to be great. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it is anymore. Jacksonville looks good, but they don't look great. Indianapolis went toe-to-toe with them. And like I said, Indianapolis should have beaten them. It all hinged on that punt return. You can go find it um, on Twitter. I think I could actually probably share my screen for those 
on the, um, let's see if I can do this. For those on YouTube, I'm going to share my screen here, and I'm going to show you exactly what this play looked like. It's over here on Twitter. Share it quick. This shouldn't take me too long. Bang, bang. So if we see right here, oh, I got too far. All right. So you go back right here. This ball is flying down here. And Jamal Agnew's like, yeah, I'm watching it. You know, they're probably yelling, Peter, Peter, Peter. And 40 has no idea. The Colt, 40 in the 10-yard line, has no idea where the football is at. But Agnew does. And you can see that football hit right behind his head, right here. Football's hitting. And Agnew's like, oh, he's not looking. Again, I think if if Speed knows, or sorry, if, if Jalen Jones knows where that football's at, and he's looking at him, I don't think Agnew picks it up. Look how close he is. Boom. Turned him all the way around. Guess what? Agnew got the ball. Again, keep your keep your lane, first off, keep your lane assignment. But then also Jalen Jones. Completely, this is the game right here. 21-17, 10 minutes left. Right here. This is everything. Agnew picks it up on the on the six, and the rest is history. You can watch him. Agnew gets all the way across the field, hits the sideline, and gets all the way up to the 46 of the Colts. You're lucky he didn't return this one. But this was the game changer. This was everything. This is what costed Indianapolis the football game, and I'll blame it completely on it. It was too clear. The next, like literally six, they they ran the ball four times, threw it twice, scored a touchdown, and then Indianapolis got the ball back, threw a pick. Jacksonville scored. This is a, this 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 Jacksonville team is not as good as what we thought it was, and the Colts team is better than we thought it was. But the, I guess the big takeaway: is special teams matters. Number two, people are going to hate this one, but I don't care. Zay Flowers' playstyle comp is officially updating in my book. Again, we love Zay Flowers, right? We had him as two A, two B at the running back position throughout the entire process. Loved him at the Shrine Bowl. Loved him at BC. Loved him at the Combine. Zay Day every day. Himothy.com, the whole nine yards. Pre-draft, the comp was hot one. It was Jalen Waddle. right? That's a big comp. It's a big comp for a rookie to come in and be comp to Jalen Waddle, especially what we've seen from Waddle over the course of the last couple of seasons. The new comp, again, people aren't going to like it. People aren't going to like it. Young Antonio Brown, that's what it is. I don't care. That's what it is. Zay Flowers, I've... Only Mark Andrews has had, the, has had the connection with Lamar Jackson that I've ever seen, not even back to Louisville. I don't, I, of course, I don't remember any Lamar Jackson high school football, but nobody's had this connection with Lamar Jackson. Mark Andrews has, um, but I wrote, you know, when's the last time a wide receiver had 10 targets from Lamar, caught 90%. Hollywood Brown did it one time in three years. One time in three years did Hollywood Brown get 10-plus targets and catch 90% of those footballs. Zay Flowers in his debut had 10 targets and caught nine, nine receptions. So clearly the best receiver on the football field. It wasn't even remotely discussionable. And I watched him, and then I watched Jaden Reed back-to-back, and then I watched uh, Jordan Addison back-to-back, watched Demario Douglas, um, watched all these rookies. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I can't believe we weren't so cl- – like even, you know – we watched Jackson, but Jackson, I, I'm, I'm kind of giving him the benefit of the doubt for a couple of weeks just until he's 100% healthy. But this kid is unreal. 
This is this is young AB. And again, you can say that with with understanding the talent that AB had has, right? Hall of Famer, hands down. But what comes with that is being the number one wide receiver in fantasy football three straight years. I'm not saying I don't think Zay can do that because of the offense they're in. It's just not the the offense isn't built for that. Number one takeaway from week number one in the NFL season, the overall strength and talent across the NFL at the defensive line position has gotten even better. So many teams, I wrote, have multiple Pro Bowl-level contributors. You can go through week one. I got ten listed here that people are going to say, well, maybe you know, if you're a fan of that team, you'll know who these guys are. But if you're not, you may not know. Mike Dana in Kansas City, shout out, dog. Will Anderson showed this week. He's a bona fide 15-plus sack guy as soon as next year. Derek Brown and Brian Burns, 25 years old each in Carolina. They're both going to get fat, fat contracts, and I don't know if either of them are going to be in Carolina because Carolina is unwilling to pay them. Just a disgusting duo. Everybody knows T.J. Watt. Alex Highsmith is coming around the corner. Nick Herbig is next in Pittsburgh. It's disgusting. Miles Garrett lining up at Zero Tech. The reason that they could put Miles Garrett in Zero Tech and the reason that Cleveland was as dominant I talked about earlier in the front was because of Agbo Okorokono, right? And Zadarius Smith. Zadarius Smith is healthy. That allows them to do those things. It's a sick front in Cleveland. Jadavian Clowney has some pep in his step in Baltimore, and I think that's probably attributed to David Ajabo and Odafe away being in this Baltimore edge room. Because he's like, these dudes are young and super talented, and I need to step it up because we haven't seen Clowney step it up in a little bit. But that's a good, another good front. Zavin Collins, um, he's being unleashed in Arizona. Uh, this thing called Dennis Gardeck is going to allow that to probably happen because Zavin's going to get some one-on-ones when he's edge rushing. Uh, he's kind of in a kind of in like a weird Micah Parsons type role where they kind of got him dropping back into coverage. He had a pick this last week, but he's also great at rushing the quarterback. He's a massive guy, 6'4", 250. Zavin Collins is a dog in a, in a, in a boring Arizona football team. Uh, Philadelphia. Sick. It's going to be sick all year. Brandon Graham and Hassan Riddick are literally situational guys in depth because they're like they can they can use them as like number seven and number eight on the team. And then Byron Young with the Rams playing outside of Aaron Donald, it just gives them another guy, right? We just thought Aaron Donald was going to be the only piece in this defense. Byron Young, the rookie from Tennessee, savage senior bowler, shout out. And then Micah Parsons, defensive player of the year, hands down. I did have two honorable mentions before I get out of here. Uh, I see a, I see something in the chat. Uh, Ian's cat says OBJ said on Rich Eisen that Flowers is going to be a top five wide receiver in the league this year. Yep, and I don't think that was a hot take. I like it. I like it. Two honorable mentions here. Green Bay is not actually great. Every year we see one team come in week one, maybe two teams come in week one and absolutely walk the dog in week one. This year was Green Bay. They're fine, but they're not great. They look great. Six wait, 38-20 against the Bears. But there was a point in that game where Jordan Love was 9 for 22. There's no Christian Watson, and Aaron Jones you know, carried this whole football team. The defense is good. The offensive line with David Bakhtiari is great. How long can Bakhtiari stay healthy? I still think this, this defense is a little young in the interior. I think this is a good team. It's not great. It's not a great football team. Honorable mention number two, again, me and Alex talked about this one throughout the entire draft prospect process. Why? Did the Raiders draft Tyree Wilson? Why? Why? When you have you can pay Tyler, you can pay Chandler Jones for one to two more years, and you have this guy named Malcolm Kuntz on the defensive line, who is a savage. Malcolm Kuntz is a savage. 
And you know who's not? The big guy. The big guy. You could have timed him like a 40-yard dash coming off the line of scrimmage. That's how slow it was. It's not good. I think there's room for Tyree to grow, obviously. That was always the projection, right? The size, the freakish arms, the length, the abilities. But he never had 10 sacks in college. Back-to-back seasons with seven. Again, there was other doors to open. Christian Gonzalez was a door you could have opened. Jalen Carter was a door you could have opened. You could have went wide receiver. A lot of different things you could have done in Las Vegas land. But they went Tyree Wilson when they knew. That's called self-scouting. NFL teams do it. All of them do. You knew you had Malcolm Coons in the house. You knew you could have paid Chandler Jones for another one or two years instead of making him go psycho in his own house. And, of course, uh, Max Crosby's already there. You don't even got to bring his name up. They didn't need Tyree Wilson. They already missed on Clell and Farrell. You didn't need to do that again. Anyways, those are the top ten thoughts from your boy Cody Carpentier at rosterwatch.com. Until next time, you can follow me on Twitter at Carpentier NFL. You can catch all my stuff at patreon.com forward slash executives. Or you can go over to rosterwatch.com. You can become a pro member today for $9.99 a month. Again, every single week, you're getting all the updates. You're getting the waiver wire cheat sheets every single week. You stay tuned in. You stay tapped in every single week. You get your questions answered on the website every single week. And you get all the data. You get all the DFS. You get everything from Alex, from Trashman, from Byron, from myself. I'll be back on Sunday with the Starter Shit, Starter Shit Show. I might take a shit. I don't know. Start or Sit Show. I appreciate you. Click the like button. Click subscribe. Till next time. Deuces.